Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Turning to Him. I'm really excited about uh, the person that I'm speaking with today. This is Eric Richardson. Uh, Eric and I are good friends. Uh, we're actually in the same ward, so he's put up with a lot of things from me. I'm I'm really surprised that he even agreed to talk with me uh, when he's not forced to do so. Uh, Eric, how are you doing tonight? Good. I was forced to speak with you last Sunday, too, in church. <laughs> It's horrible. You have the patience of Job. <laughs> uh, thanks for coming on tonight. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on. It's great. It's great. Uh, tell us just a little bit about yourself. I always say, give us a dinner appointment rundown. Okay. Well, I'm first and foremost the father of a good family size. We've got six children. So I've got uh, two daughters and four boys. And uh, it's the joy of my life. It's kind of it's all about. Well, we love to go camping. We love to uh, do things outdoors. We also are big into uh, computers and technology and music. I'm a DJ on the side, do fun things like that. And uh, we just try to make it through life. We like to serve people and church is a big part of it. And having uh, How did you get into DJing? Oh, that's it's a fun story. I'll make it short. So <laughs> back in high school, some of the school dances, they were the DJs are so bad that uh, my, my friends and I, we said we should have an alternate prom. So we went to DI and we scrounged up some old speakers and amplifier and and uh, put out an invites and just had an informal alternate prom. And we got a few people that first year and we blew the amp and <laughs> pushed too much to it. <laughs> Next year, we got a little better equipment and uh, we did it again and we got like 50 couples. So oh, wow. it was a pretty good size event that time. And I really enjoyed it. It was just it was just fun playing music. I've always liked music. And so it's kind of fun being the DJ. So from that point on, I you know, kind of bought more stuff from DI and we, we did a couple more dances. Then along came uh, college and uh, I actually got hired to do a couple of the Institute dances. Then that money just kind of pours into the system, make it a little bit better. Then my friends started getting married and they started hiring me for that. And lo and behold, now 25 years later, we just keep pouring money into it. Now it's a really good system and I'm pretty happy with it. <laughs> and uh, I've done everything from political fundraisers to weddings, parties, proms, school dances. But my favorite are anything with kids. Youth dances and especially elementary school like sock hops or daddy-daughter dances are the best. Those are so much fun. That's awesome. That's really cool. I'm not a rave DJ. I'm the, <laughs> I'm the dad DJ. <laughs> I have like a big foam head that you put on and... <laughs> not about it. It wasn't things yet. <laughs> Sounds good. Um. Well, you and I had been speaking a little bit before we started recording, and you mentioned that there was there was an experience that you wanted to share about how you turned to Christ, how you've turned to Him. Yes. Give give us a little background first. Give us a warm up to it. Okay. So I'm I was born of goodly parents. I have a good blessing <laughs> in my life. Familiar uh, phrase. Yep. Some great parents. They had family home evening regularly, scripture time. They taught us the gospel, and. Uh, I relied on their testimony to a degree growing up, and uh, in high school, it, it improved, uh, especially in the Book of Mormon class, uh, served a mission, and uh, came back with even a stronger testimony at that time. Where did you serve? 
Go, oh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, PA. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah good old uh, foreign land there. Yep. <laughs> and then after getting married, it was great. Started having children and a family and joined a furniture company. I did retail furniture for a good 12 years. And then change, things changed. Then uh, they, this was during the dock strike of 2008. Sorry, yeah, 2014-15, excuse me. On the West Coast, uh, Longshoremen went on a dock strike. Product was not moving. That was from that uh, shoreline. And so in the world of retail and furniture, we weren't getting product. And if you, I don't know if you remember that stock strike, but it lasted for nine months. And so our inventory dried up and salesmen were getting, salespeople started to quit because they didn't have anything to sell. And it was really struggle, struggling. In fact, 27% uh, of all retail furniture stores went out of business over that, that year. Oh my gosh. So it was, it decimated some of the retail businesses. Um, our, our furniture store that I worked for survived it, but towards the end, this is now in December, um, we were very short staffed. And so they basically management told me I'd have to work 90 days straight without a day off, 12 hour shifts. And they didn't have anyone to cover for me because everyone else was short too. So at that point, I, I went home and I talked with my wife and we you know, had to determine, is this something we're gonna do or is this something that we're going to uh, move on from? And we'd been thinking about the fact that this was working on Sundays, it was retail hours, we worked every holiday. I had four little kids and my wife was feeling a little bit lonely, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a single parent. And my how, how old your oldest at this point? At this time, she would have been ten. So you have four under ten. Yeah, that's a tough. That's a tough gig. I mean, kids are fantastic, but that's a tough gig for a yeah. one-year-old. And it was really terrible is that since I worked at a furniture store, it looked like a house, and we would buy groceries because I'd eat most of my meals there. So the kids called that Daddy's house, and then <laughs> when, when so, they're talking to their friends, so, like Daddy tells them always, yeah. So it, it seemed pretty terrible that way. <laughs> Okay, and now is your wife working outside the home at this point? No, she's just working at home, stays at okay. home. So she's home all day alone with the kids. And this is not a nine to five job. This is retail. You're it's retail. I was going to work at seven in the morning and getting off about 9.30. So I was pushing more than 12 hour shifts. Oh my God. And so it was it was rough. And so we, uh, and even the days off that I used to get, I lost because we lost some employees, lost some managers. Um, and so it got to be where I was having to cover so much. So and that's why I was asking for help, but the, man, the company wasn't willing to help. They couldn't send anybody to me. So I finally just, we, we made a decision, my wife and I, and we had my parents on the phone till two in the morning, like, what's the best plan here? And finally, my wife's like, well, I think you should resign. And it was just like that clear pause and then that clarity and it was like, felt right. It's like, oh, really? It's a 12-year commitment I put into this company. <laughs> so I worked my way up to get to this position. I was overseeing three different stores at this point too, but it was, it was right. So it's like, I think you're right. And then she kind of confided too about how she was feeling very lonely. And yeah, yeah. And I wasn't seeing my kids grow up. And so we decided to make that change. And uh, happened to be the regional manager was in town that time. So I let him know and he ended up having to run the store for a while. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God. So we, we left. And uh, okay. So wait, sorry, I want to interrupt. Sure you just kind of breezed over this in a very humble way. This is a career. You were in a 12 year career. This wasn't just, um, I mean, I, I certainly don't want to take away anything from salespeople, but you weren't just a, a guy selling furniture. You were in a leadership position. This is a career that yeah. you had started and, yeah. and you and your wife and your parents decided to walk away from it. 
That's a big, that's a big leap of faith right there. It was, that was a big leap of faith. It was because it was supporting the family quite well. And it was, you know, there was a lot of things about it that was like, why would we leave this? But I worked every single Sunday and I worked Mm -hmm. way too many. I was, I was, there's a couple of weeks I worked 96 hours in a week. Just to me, that's a lot. (laughs) There are only 168 hours in a week and humans need to sleep. (laughs) So, okay, go ahead. Sorry. So it got to the point where it's kind of inhumane. It wasn't sustainable. And so it was that plus, you know, there were some other things, some of the um, decisions the company was making that unfortunately the owner of the company had retired and, and the company now kind of gone to a corporate mindset versus a private, you know, family owned company. So there was things that were kind of irritating. We didn't have individual vacation days anymore. You had to take just blocks of time and that was it. And it was a trade. When my assistant manager went on vacation, I had to work all those days to cover. And then when I took my time off, she had to do this, the opposite. So we never actually got extra days off. You just swapped. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Things like that to where it was already so difficult. So the, the time structure and the, the over, you know, pushing of hours in retail, it was just enough, 12 hours of it, 12 years of it. So it was, it was a big challenge and difficulty to leave that. But when we did, it was luckily the, the spirit confirmed it was right. And uh, after I turned in my resignation and everything, I actually drove home and I was singing hymns. I was like, free is just like wow i'm gonna have some time and so and i had a couple of weeks of vacation built up so we took a little bit of break and then my my bishop at the time this is up in great falls montana and he was the regional manager for an insurance company called aflac if you haven't heard of that aflac aflac so <laughs> he he said hey you know i've actually got opening for um, some reps to help out you know let's get them started so i listened to the option and it sounded like a good opportunity. So I took that option and liked the idea of becoming my own boss and running my own agency. And so I went through the train and got my license and started working with him. And it was a lot of fun, but Great Falls is a pretty small area for population. And there's only so much business an insurance agent can generate there with the other reps that are already in place. I quickly discovered, you know, over the year and a half that I was there that most of the large accounts you know, had already yeah. lined up. So I'm like, I need to move to a bigger market. And at the similar time, both my brothers had moved to the Salt Lake City Valley area and so with their families. I'm like, that would be so cool to be closer. Um, also at this time, my son who has arthritis, um, we were having to travel to Seattle or to Salt Lake for his appointments because there's only two children's hospitals that handle juvenile arthritis. Okay. It made sense. Like, well, this would be a lot easier to not travel so far we'd already be in Salt Lake area. So we decided to sell our house and transfer my business down here. And so that was, it was a bit of a leap of faith right there, but we did. And uh, when we decided to sell our house, there, the house across the street sold, um, the lady sold it to an investor who was gonna remodel it and do everything. And so he was, she came over and said, yeah, I'm moving, I'm selling my house. I'm like, really, who's buying it? So yeah. About this investor who buys, you know, rebuilds, he's a builder and just kind of revamps them. And so we said, well, let's get his number. So we called him. He came over like 20 minutes later. He's like really fast. And about another 20 minutes later, he gave us an offer. <laughs> and we're like, okay, I guess we're moving. <laughs> it's really fast. Yeah. So, wow. so less than, we were like less than, an, less than an hour. We were called and had an offer and sold it. And uh, when year is this? This was in 2017. Okay. Okay. 
So then it was a fair offer. So it was, we, we said, okay. So we didn't have to do real realtor fees or anything like that. It was just straight over. Wow. So we, so I quickly actually, my brother, since he lived here, I moved down real quick. And uh, while my wife was getting the house ready for us to move out of there, um, I came down here, kind of set up shop. Also wanted to, uh, I wanted to add casualty, property and casualty insurance. And so farmers insurance actually was also looking to add some agents. And so I interviewed with them and they actually allowed, they accepted me into their program so I could add that into the, my repertoire. Okay. So we moved them down here and we started living in uh, West Jordan at the time. And it was a, it was a great little place. My, you know, my kids, they were pretty young at the time, some of them. And a lot of them remember that as some of their best childhood years. Okay. So there for a couple of years, um, that was a neighborhood kind of like where we are now with just gobs of young kids, families with lots of young kids. It was just everywhere. And our house became the kid, kid conglomeration. Yes. Yes. <laughs> One time we counted, there's like 32 kids in our house. <laughs> like, <laughs> So it was fun. In fact, I had to show a friend one time. He stopped over. I said, you want to see a magic trick? And I pulled out of the cupboard a unopened box, costco size Oreos. Yes. And I said, watch this. And I said, Oreos. And within seconds, it was gone. <laughs> There's so many kids came and decimated it. <laughs> like, watch it disappear in like two minutes. <laughs> like, I don't like these magic tricks. These are expensive magic tricks. That was fun. It was so much fun. <laughs> okay. And so things seemed to be going great. I mean, we were feeling the blessings. We'd gotten down there to move. And then the Lord was like, all right, we need to try, try us a little bit. And we need to put some fire on, under you. And let's, let's, let's uh, try your faith here. So this is a year and a half after you left. Yep. So we've been in Utah now for a year and a half. And it seems so, like oh, so three years after you left the furniture company. Correct. Yep. So three years. So for three years, you had kind of some smooth sailing. Yep. So, okay, carry on. And it was nice. I got to know my kids a lot better because I worked from home and, you know, made my own hours. It was amazing. I, I made a, that, that three years was such a good bond with my kids and, you know, developing that time with them. So would, I would never give that up. But then um, Farmers Insurance decided to raise their rates across mm -hmm. the board. And they did it two times over a period of six months. Okay. All the business that I had written pretty much left, you know. Mm -hmm. Went from we were saving people about 10 percent to mm -hmm. now we were the most expensive in the state and as a new agent that doesn't have any renewals you're trying you know you're trying to build to that and all of a sudden everyone's leaving that was terrifying and then then one day a very sad email came over that aflac decided to um, join forces with the brokerage houses for the big major medical companies that, mm -hmm. and uh, they decided to strip all of us agents of our accounts that had over 100 employees and so they just took everything and left us the peanuts, just the little yeah. With, and so typically, like some of the accounts we work with would make you thirty thousand a year, was what you would make just in one, someone accounts, you know, for enrollments. Some of the school districts, etc. They took all those, and so it was just an email that was overnight. All of us agents were like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. And so there's about seventy thousand agents nationwide that uh, lost their lunch. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And so that was, that was hard. It was all within a couple of weeks that some of these major things hit. And then give us, if you remember, just give us a percentage of income lost. 70%. 70%. You lost 70% of your income. My income just shaved right off. In one email, basically. Yeah. yeah in one email. So Whoa. It, was, uh, 
that was that was hard that was yeah. tough, especially after all the time and effort we put into you know these accounts and working with them i'd actually been promoted to an, a regional account manager position to help with some of the corporate accounts for aflac and all those also went to the brokerage houses and I, a little bit of background on that the major medical companies used to make good commissions on what they sold in the, uh, in the medical field but uh, with the ACH and some of the changes, the commissions got cut in half like eight times till there wasn't much commissions left. Mm-hmm. And they needed something else to sell. So they went to the Aflac, these ancillary products, like companies like Aflac and said, hey, we're already in all these other accounts. You let us sell your product. We'll bring you into these other accounts. Yeah. You know, and they sweet yeah. talk. And I can understand why Aflac made the decision. It was a way to get into a lot of other new accounts they had had access before. But it was, it was a betrayal to us agents. <laughs> Oh wow! That's the thing of being an independent agent is yeah. you're not. Uh, <laughs> you don't own your book. <laughs> you don't own your book. So, the way okay. that. Um, then at that same time, two of our really good friends, um, two different families that really good friends of ours, um, end up leaving the church, and that was hard, just them losing their faith, and then uh, the house that we were currently in, we we're at the time renting. They decided they were going to sell it, so we're going to have to move from our neighborhood and all our friends there. Yeah. And then this particular, there was some uh, derogatory anti-Mormon literature that was being circulated. My wife started seeing some of this that her friends were sharing, and she's like, "Oh, this isn't very good. This is terrible to faith." And I was curious because my friends had left, you know, and wanted to know more about this. And my wife felt terrible that she even told me about this. And I ended up said, "I said to read, to read this." This is at the point where I was really being hit hard with all this. Yeah challenges um my faith was a little shaken paying tithing was getting to be a little bit more difficult yep yeah <laughs> true sacrifice at this point is i mean we, we had to apply for food stamps we had to do some government assistance at that point i even had to go to the bishop and say okay we have to get some you know i had never done that before like we're going to need some assistance for food because mm-hmm. they don't have any money all of a sudden he's gone and uh you know used to living on a certain budget paying rent and your expenses at that point <laughs> Yes. And we'd also just had a new baby. So number five or this is number six, actually. So okay, six kids. Six kids and one was a brand new baby. So I wasn't getting much sleep. And so just everything was kind of piled on. As a a man who's trying to provide for his family, with that being taken, everything kind of was just falling out from under me. Now we're gonna have to move again. Now I, you know, I'm having to get government assistance. The job's gone. You know, I don't get much, the baby's a challenge, you know. Yeah. He, he never slept. In fact, to this day, he still he sleeps the least number of hours of anyone in the family. So it was, it was difficult. It was brutal. Yeah. Perfect <laughs> so, storm. It was hard. So then here I am at night reading this, you know, this particular um, information that was very, as, as I've said it, and I've, other people have said it, it's a very deceptive document of information. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, a lot of that content out there, isn't just to destroy faith it's to destroy faith in not just church but in god too hmm. notice that of a lot of friends who left the church over some of these things is that they don't even believe in god anymore yeah um now a little bit of background my degree in college was in speech communications and learning about you know the, the art of persuasion and the different fallacies and arguments and the different ways to deceive and why the, the pen is mightier than the sword we studied a lot of the you know speeches of hitler and churchill and things like that mm-hmm. and this particular document was very deceitful and i was able to see that in some of the things that were shared and were in that and so i was 
that I think my degree really helped me because I was able to quickly identify where there was challenges and realize this is not telling the truth. It's, it's trying to be deceitful. But I could see where it was testing your faith. And it did make me question things. It was, and it was pretty powerful in the way that it made me rethink my testimony, especially at the low point that I was at. Mm-hmm. And I had to really, it was, I was up to like two in the morning. And then uh, finally, I found out my wife, she was crying because she found that, that I was reading this. <laughs> She's going to lose my testimony. That I was, sure. I was. She's going to lose my my soul. Was going to be lost or something. <laughs> so she was really, really worried. I said, "No, I, I'm going to pray about this." And so the next several weeks, I did research and kind of re- went through some of the questions that I had, you know, all of a sudden got out of this information. I don't recommend people do this. This is not a good right. exercise, especially if you're in a, a down situation in life. Right. Right. So. It, it became very difficult and, you know, having to go to the bishop and saying, hey, I, I don't know when I'm going to have more money. Like this, this whole insurance situation is toast. Like I'm not making any more money with farmer's insurance. I'm not making more money with Aflac insurance. Like I'm going to have to start from scratch. And so, you know, he, and he agreed. And so I had to humble myself a lot. And he had the high councilman come and help me rewrite my, my resume at the time. And so we just, we got to find you a job, you know? <laughs> yeah. I was, it was, it was terrible. And so during that time, trying to look for a new job and reevaluating my faith, it was, it was a, one of the lowest points. You kind of, your ego's hit, your pride's hit. You're questioning a lot of things. And that was tough. And I remember having to consciously think, do I want to keep pushing forward, you know, with this, with the belief in this faith in, in the church and, and service, or would it just be easier to just let that go, you know? And, you know, I remember there was a, had a little office in the basement. I got on my knees and I prayed and I said, I got to know, you know, if this is worth moving forward. And I just got a, a small piece come over me that just said, just keep moving forward. It was just kind of that, that simple message. And so, I said, all right. And so I said, I will, I will turn to the Lord. It's kind of that, you know, that you're, you're talking about here. And so I told the bishop, I said, whatever it is, I don't care what kind of job it is. Let's just find something to make money for the family right away. I just need something. And so they were looking and looking. Lo and behold, as, as I was searching online, this company I'd never heard of before until I moved down here called Vivint Smart Home. Everyone knows it here in Utah. Yeah, right. Hiring. They hire all the time. And it was a call center job for, you know, college people. But here I'm like, well, I can apply to that. So it was kind of humbling to say, I'm going to apply for this kind of a job. I don't want to do call center work, but, you know, you can make pretty good money quickly, I hear. So I applied to it. They called me. Since I had a lot of experience in sales, they interviewed me and they said, yeah, we'd love to have you come on. And so I went in and did an in-person interview and then started. And I was terrible. I was absolutely terrible as an a call <laughs> for the first couple of weeks. And the the manager on my team, he's like, he actually took me in. He's like, I don't think this is for you. And he's like, I think you need to go. <laughs> it was terrible. And I'm like, I'm trying to do a job. I was just like, Lord, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. And I was like, this is not working. <laughs> Boss doesn't like me. <laughs> and so it just got even worse. <laughs> Nephi's like, I'll build a ship. And then three weeks in, the Lord's like, that's not a very good ship, Nephi. We got a canoe here. We need a ship that holds all. <laughs> yeah, we we got to work something else out. <laughs> and so I was sure I was going to be let go by this guy. And then all of a sudden I show up to work one day. They're like, oh, he, he quit. 
my boss did. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to be put on this new team. And I'm like, oh, that's like a clean slate for me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to double down and see if I can figure out how to sell this, this you know, security system at the time. And so I was listening to some of the top guys. I started to like listen to recorded calls and like, I'm like, I've got to learn this. This is out of my element. It's not the kind of sales I've done because this is fast. Like you're doing 30 calls a day inbound and you're trying to pitch this. And I wasn't used to that kind of pace or, you know, trying to give tiny amounts of information, tiny amounts of time. Yes. Yes. Because <laughs> I'm the kind of person that wants to give a more elaborate, you know, informed decision. And so it took some interest and uh, I didn't end up making my calls longer than most people, but the Lord did bless me and it did work as I learned, as I learned this and put the time and effort into it. It was painful and it was, it was, it was humiliating because they're listening to calls and as a team and recordings. And here I'm the oldest guy in the room. Yeah. yeah. And you know, this is my forties and everybody there's like in their twenties. <laughs> there was one other guy that's about my age and it was just like, this is, this is tough. It's tough to be from where I've been a manager, you know, overseeing 80, I had 86 people under me at one point overseeing all these different storm people. And it was so awesome being a leadership person and now being a call center guy, you yeah. know, it was tough. And it's, you know, as much as the team was a good, they were good people. I do have to say that they were good people. They were trying, they tried to help me out. And I started to get better and better at it. And by the second year, I started to really ramp up. And uh, not only was I starting to close deals well, but I started to really follow up with the installer and the customers and get the installs actually going in. There's two, two main metrics in those scenarios. How much can you close, but how much can you get to actually install? So a lot of people cancel in that, that two yes. window. And to this day, I probably don't have my record being broke. I got to be where I had a 98% install rate. That's almost impossible. Wow. <laughs> well, I lost 2% of my, my uh, sales. <laughs> wow. So I became the most efficient rep for the number of calls to the number of installs. That's one of the rewards. So I ended up getting a corner office with a window and... I start and actually ended up making the uh, my final year is there. I made the most money I ever made in my life. So okay. You can make good money there. <laughs> so, and uh, but it's mind numbing. You know, taking thirty something calls a day and pitching those is is mind numbing work. Oh wow. So, it, it was it was a ride. I did that for a couple of years. Two I think two and a half years is what we did there. And then they completely revamped the pay structure because um, the corporate made some changes and our senior vice president of sales he did not like the changes like we just set the record for the most installs and sales into the company as a department we beat even the, the field reps the, the, our mm -hmm. inside sales department and now you guys want to cut the commissions <laughs> it's like why they'd make money selling it and right. he was upset and then he wouldn't agree with it that they said you have to leave so he ended up leaving and joining a different security company so we lost him a new guy came in a spot and he was terrible okay. <laughs> and so about 30% of us migrated away and said this because our pay structure, they changed it so much that we, we made about half. Yes. It goes back to that. All right, we got to change again. Wow. So, um, luckily while I had been working there, they had did a, um, a pilot program with Vivint Solar, a sister company. Mm -hmm. They were trying to see if we, some of us reps could sell security to existing or say sell solar to existing security customers mm -hmm, mm -hmm. cross selling there. And that was um, kind of fun. I actually got to be part of that and meet um, the guy who's over solar in the solar division from the solar side. And so we tried it for, it was like a three week period and they decided not to, they decided to transfer it over to the other reps in the solar division because solar is a lot to learn. 
Okay. We would need to go through a lot more training. So they, they pulled it from us, but I was in that short period. I really liked what I learned about solar. Yeah, so after yeah. I quit, I, I called up that other guy and said, well, actually I'm available if you'd like to have me <laughs> work over there. And so he did. So to this day, I'll put his name out there. Tim Reinhardt is one of the best people I've ever worked for. That's fantastic. In leadership, especially in a senior sales management position, your job is to motivate people and inspire them and to make it an exciting workplace because you don't have to write people up for being late. That's a regular team manager's job. Your yeah. job is to, to encourage and help people to do better and train and inspire. And he did that perfectly. And so I joined the solar division and that was excellent. I mean, solar is a really neat aspect. It's, you know, there's a lot of things I like about it. So there's also some sides of it where some reps can be dishonest. Sure. sure. There's not many numbers in place. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, I did solar for several years and then uh, Sunrun ended up bu buying them out. So that all kind of changed. So anyway, now I work for MPLC, Motion Picture Licensing. Okay. <laughs> okay. But I want to get back to that change is, is that the Lord did really try me and by turning to him and being humble and, and it was hard i had to pray like i don't want to go to work lord i don't want to do this again i don't want to call you know listen to another 30 people that want security <laughs> yeah and i don't want to be the, this guy on the team that's kind of awkward but it, i pushed through it and eventually yeah we got the income we needed to get us back on our feet and it helped us to eventually get to the place where i could move into a job like solar which was more the, along the lines of the kind of job I wanted, but a more professional job, different kind of clientele. It was a lot, it was a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack there, and it seems like there, there are two threads. Just number one, focusing on the the economic roller coaster that you are on, and it, it just so happens that this week in Come Follow Me, we're studying Habakkuk. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. I've heard it. Yeah, Habakkuk or Habakkuk, but where, you know, they're, and they're talking about, he's saying, Lord, I want you to answer my prayers. And he says, and the Lord says, okay, um, we're going to have the Assyrians come in and punish the wicked. And, and the prophet says, I don't want you to answer my prayers that way. I want you to answer my prayers the way that I want them answered. And it seems like your story is something that we can relate to a lot of you're at a high point in your life, and then you get humbled. You get down, whether we lose our job or we have a wayward child or something, we pray and we say, Heavenly Father, I need help. And Heavenly Father says, okay, here's how I'm going to help you. And you say, no, that's, that's not the help that I wanted. That's hard work. What you're giving me is hard work. What I actually want is help. And Heavenly Father says, I know, just trust me. Yeah. And put your boots on because it's time to work. And I, I remember saying, this is beneath me almost, you know, to work in this kind of situation from my experience, what I have. But the Lord's like, no, this is what if you need money right now. This is what I have available. Okay. So right now, potentially somebody is listening, listening to this and they are at the position where they've just lost six figures. And now they're looking and the bishop is saying, hey, look. I know this doesn't cover your bills, but I want you to put in four hours a week at DI, at Desert Industries. Or I've got a buddy who's got a lead at the local fast food restaurant. 
this is nowhere near going to cover your bills, but it's what's available right now. What do you say to that person, Eric? How, what do you say to them? Take a deep breath and realize that it's pretty fun to stock shelves at the uh, cannery. I got to do that. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, it's a humbling experience to the core. <laughs> like you, you kind of have to take your heart out, drop it, take a deep breath and say, I'm going to pick it back up <laughs> and I'm going to say, okay, Lord, you wanted my heart. It's a little broken. I'm feeling really terrible. This is hard, but there's no other option. To me, it was like, if I don't turn to the Lord, if I just rebel, you know, it goes against my beliefs, it goes against my covenants. And so I, I am grateful for the fact that I've, I've made covenants because that was one of the things that was key in me staying and not just rebelling and just saying, forget this all. It's too hard. Is it, it was like, I've made covenants. I do believe in them. I want them to work out in the long run, the blessings to come to pass. And there's that if aspect, you know, and it's, I'm like, well, and actually when you brought up Job, I, I really kind of, not to his level, but I felt like, well, this is a, kind of a Job experience for me, you know, within a short period of time of a couple of years to now having, you know, to work in the cannery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you have to dig down in your soul and say, what, what am I going to give to the Lord? There was a, a drawing, it was a, one of my favorite drawings. There's two stick figures. One is a person and one's Christ. Okay, just stick figures. And the stick figure is holding a little heart. Everything's black and white, but the heart's red. And the stick figure says, this is all I have to offer. And the, the Christ says, that's all I want. <laughs> wow. Please join us for part two of Eric Richardson's story. 